Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome to Napa Broadcasting and our continuing coverage of this year's primary election coming up in a very short time. One of the things that we haven't talked about yet is the race for District 4 supervisor, and it's a political contest that's a little bit different than the others. The race really goes to the heart of who we are as a county. Will we continue to view ag as the highest and best use of the land? Will we adapt to the realities of the wine business today in terms of marketing, events, and direct sales? Are we going to understand that a healthy wine business is the greatest bulwark we have to protect the valley from subdivisions and overdevelopment? We're going to talk about that and a host of other county issues today with Supervisor Alfredo Pedroza, who's been kind enough to join us today. Alfredo, thanks for coming in. Good morning. Thanks for the invite. It's good to have you here. Uh, It does feel in this election, particularly in your race, that there's a lot of issues that are out there that really are pretty profound in terms of where we are as a county. You are absolutely right, Jeff. You know, but I always go back to you, I guess. We're very fortunate to have these issues to a certain degree, and I think it's a product of our success. We just got to make sure we, we tackle some of them with a common sense perspective, and I think we'll get the job done. Talk a little bit, and, and you, you know, this is your first elected run at this, and you were appointed. Talk a little bit about how being on the Board of Supervisors is different than having been on the City Council. I mean, yes, the issues are different. But there's a lot of focus on land use. A lot of the the sort of more sexy, interesting yeah. things you get to deal with on the council are a little bit different when you when you get to the board you, level. You are absolutely right. But again, I think coming from the city council has been a great transition, though, Jeff. Understanding the way cities work, how they function, how they budget, um, ha- has really allowed me, from the board of supervisor perspective, to understand how we have to work with the cities because the issues of housing, transportation, growth are not county-specific issues, they're regional issues that we got to work with our cities on. So again, having that background, I think that has really helped me understand and and facilitate the collaboration and the working relationships we got to have. But uh, you're absolutely right. You know, you go from the city side of having problems, and we talked about it before in the past, is you have a problem at the city between the problem and solution. The chain is very short. You can really get the job done very quickly. I enjoyed that very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very direct in working with business owners and residents and fixing their pothole or or business license issues or earthquake recovery. I I really enjoyed those. At the Board of Supervisor level, you know, the the, the scope is a little bit more uh, deep. There's a lot more involved in it, which is a good thing because you're dealing with issues that potentially have more of an impact on our county and our landscape in the future. So uh, getting well-versed on, on uh, land use has been my top focus and my top priorities, what I've spent the majority of my time on. Um, and it's great, though, because you have a lot of um, individuals that are wanted, that want to be part of the conversation. So you have you know, the grape cores, the vintners, you have neighborhood groups. And being able to listen and work with everyone has been helpful in understanding everyone's perspective. But I think the best lens I've had is being born and raised in Napa. Uh, growing up in the vineyards with my dad, uh, I've experienced you know our land from the bottom up, which is a great perspective to have. Are we neglecting? I mean, certainly you, you listen to every board of supervisors meeting, and it seems like it's land use, land use, land use, winery permits, and we'll you know we'll get into all of this. But it seems like some of the other issues that that you know have been part of the county agenda in the past, and you just touched on them: housing being one, transportation is another, working with with other counties in the region and other cities in the region to deal with these issues. Are we taking our eye off the ball on some of these other issues because we're so focused on these land use issues right now? Yeah, I'll be very clear. Absolutely. You know, since I've been on the board, you know, since I was appointed by Governor Brown. 
17 months ago, uh, we've talked very little about housing, very little about transportation. And when you talk to the residents in Napa, that's what they want government working on. They want to make sure that we're doing things about affordable housing, workforce housing. They want us to improve transportation and traffic flow. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't spent that much time on it. When I became chair of the board, you know, I shared my priorities, and it, and it was housing and transportation. Because when you go out, when you're knocking on neighborhoods or you're in line at the coffee shop, when I get the tap on the shoulder, people aren't talking to me about wineries. They're talking to me about their kids not being able to buy a home in Napa or a senior being concerned about not being able to afford to stay in their house or how long it took them to run their errands. Those are the real issues that our residents are facing. That's what they want government to spend more time on. Um, and I think we can. We just have to make it a priority and work together with our stakeholder groups in our cities to move the needle on those key issues. I mean, I guess the question is to put it in, in terms of something that you've been dealing with. Is something wrong with a system where you've spent almost 17 months, almost your entire time that you've been on the board, and the applicant having spent over $4 million on something like Walt Ranch? I mean, something yeah. seems out of balance in that, regardless of, of whatever side of that issue somebody yeah. may be on. There's something seems to be wrong yeah. with the system. And when you talk about the process and the system. Look, I, I think it's good government when, when people can participate and people are heard. And if, the, if folks perceive that there's an imbalance, let's talk about it, right? I, I'm willing to listen. That's my job as the Board of Supervisor and Supervisor for District 4. But at the same time, we also have to keep an eye on the prize. And what I mean by that is the real issues that our residents are, are dealing with. Uh, and you hit it on the head. One of the concerns that I have is the more that we're spending on, on process and applications, it's good that we're vetting it to make sure it's, it's good development, sustainable development. But we're also increasing the cost of doing business, the barriers to entry. And guess who's going to be paying for that? The next applicant, the next generation, my son. And if my son wants to be a farmer, he should have those opportunities. But if we keep making it more expensive, I'm really concerned about what the future generation is not going to be able to do. Right. There's also something odd happening on the on the applicant side in that you hear a lot of objection at some of these meetings, and you've heard it, oh, you know, too many rich people coming in and only people, you know, with a lot of money want to. Well, when it costs $4 million plus to just pay for the cost of being an applicant yeah. these days, who else is going to apply? want to have property. You're right. And, and that could be one of those unintended consequences if you're looking at it from that perspective, too. But what I always tell people, you know, we all care about our backyard. We, you know, we all want to make sure we have a good community and we're passing it on to the next generation. But there's also a, a sense of responsibility that should come with being at the table and, and identifying issues that you think should be addressed. And we have to make sure that it's a two-way street, right? And, and too many people, from what I see right now, we're just daylighting potential concerns without holding ourselves accountable to the other side of making sure you're educating yourself and you're talking about the facts of the issue because we need to make sure it's factual driven, the discussions we got to have. Well, that really goes to the heart of something I mentioned in the introduction as well, that, that we've operated, the county has operated on the premise that ag is the highest and best use of the land. And there have been discussions that have come up since it came out of the APAC discussion and certainly have come up at a couple of board meetings where people are starting to question that? Well, you know, I personally believe ag is still the highest and best use of our land. Um, I have close ties to, to, to our farm working community experiencing it from that level. But, you know, look, you know, we, we are ag county. That's who we are. You know, I'm very thankful of the, of the previous pioneers that passed, you know, the ag preserve. And, and we're a product of that success to a certain degree. 
But, you know, we also have to understand things change. Environments change. The way people farm change. The way people do business change. The way wineries operate changes. And in my opinion, we have to be flexible enough as a community and as a government agency to make sure people can be successful. It doesn't mean you change the character of our county or the character of our rural parts of our county as well. But we have to also make sure that we're allowing people to be successful in ag continue to be successful. If not, you will face pressures to become something else. And I'm not interested in having that conversation. Well, one of those things, and you, you sort of touched on it briefly, is that the wine business has changed, that, that marketing has changed, that in order for these wineries and vineyards to be successful, they have to do things differently than they did 15, yeah. 20 years ago. No, that, that's absolutely true. And, and I use my own example. You know, I come from the, the banking and finance world, working with banks and community banks and, red, and, and, and credit unions. And I'll tell you, the model 10 years ago was you, the way you acquired market share, the way you got more customers is you build office, brick and mortar buildings. Right. Today, people don't go into the bank. It's all tech. So in a span of 10 years, the way we did business changed. And that's very representative of our wineries. Back then, you, you know, you, you, you ran your business differently. Your model was different. Now with the, the distributor challenges and, and having to be more direct to consumer, wineries need an ability to see their visitors and create custom experiences. Now, at the same time, you know, they're not going to have 100 people lining up at the door because the model doesn't work. The experience doesn't work. Uh, and that's something that we just, we just have to be very flexible enough to make sure that we adapt to the environment that we're seeing. It's also interesting when you think about the environment, many of the same people that are objecting to visitors coming in and the direct sales model are also people that are objecting to change that they've seen, whether it's in the banking business or other, where the model has been exactly as you say, stay out. Don't Nobody's going to come to the office. It's all online. It's all by mail. It's yeah. all this. You know, the wine business has become more of a high-touch kind of model. It's, it's almost antithetical to what's been going on in technology. So kind of can't object to change in one area. <laughs> yeah. And, and to the point, though, you know, 10 years from now, Jeff, it may be completely different. In, in my opinion, knowing how competitive the environment is out there, knowing what our neighbors in Sonoma County are doing, knowing what Lodi is doing, we have to be nimble enough to make sure we can respond because we are very dependent on this industry being successful. We know what it is from an economic value perspective, but also the jobs, the amount of our residents are employed by the industry. So again, to me, I, I'm interested in the flexibility. Again, it doesn't mean that we allow every application, every developer to come in and have a, a red carpet to a yes you know, approval. It's holding people accountable, but we have to make sure we're, we're nimble enough to that. And visitors, it's a really key issue because I don't see visitors a, as a negative, right? When someone wants to come to our valley and they want to visit a winery, they're also probably going to eat here as well. There's some economic value that comes out of that. Now, again, it's just making sure that we can sustain the type of visitors and the tourists we get. And that's a different conversation from looking at our infrastructure and our road network and so forth. But um, again, it's just, I think flexibility is going to continue to be key now and into the future. And the thing that goes with that flexibility, it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of how long some of these process takes, is really developing a process that everybody thinks is fair, whether they turn out on, on the good side of it or the bad side of it, that there's a consistency of process and that can still be flexible relative yeah. to what you're talking no, about. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, we, the county, also have to earn the credibility and respect out in the community about showing the process is fair, transparent, is 
our job is not to advocate for applicants. Our job is not to advocate for neighborhood groups. It's to enforce the rules that we have today, look at it from a planning perspective, understand both sides, listen to everyone, but really, you know, d- deliberate and, and provide a, a decision that's factual based off experience from our staff. And I think we can do a better job of that. Um, and I think part of it, too, is, you know, there is an environment where people were allowed to ask for f- forgiveness rather than the permission. And I think that's something that, you know, the county has rectified through some of the recommendations of APAC, the, the, the committee we put together, and some of the other policies we've changed. We've identified that that was a gap, uh, and, and we've rectified it. But, again, that's government identifying we weren't doing something well, and we changed it. Is there still more to be done? Is there still more to be done in terms of adapting the process beyond APAC to create that fairness and transparency? I think so. Again, I think uh, what you're going to see, one of the recommendations was looking at use permits. And, and, and again, what, what I like to tell with our, to share with our residents, and it's not necessarily making it easier, but making it predictable and tra- transparent, both for the neighbors that are concerned, but also from the applicant. You know, let's be honest, you know, the environment in the 1990s when someone was getting a use permit, you know, when you came into the county, they said, how many visitors were you going to have? The environment was just put a number down, right? So, you know, fast forward 20 years later to now say we're going to hold you accountable to, to that number that really wasn't emphasized at that point isn't really fair. So let's clean up, right? Let's make sure people can come in, get the clarity that we need, move forward. But also, again, if you are caught, and the analogy I use when I was on the city council, people were complaining about the red light cameras, about the fee. And my response is, I have a solution. Don't run the red light. <laughs> right, and we won't complain about the fee. And I say that from an enforcement standpoint of we want to make sure everyone's playing by the rules. I want to make sure everyone knows what the rules are. And at the end of the day, once we do that, the enforcement is going to be the third wheel. Right. On it. How do we catch up? How does the county catch up? Because there's so much that's grandfathered in, and then there's things that are still in the process right now of trying to get approvals as the system is changing. I mean, it's, it's like trying to hit, you know, it's playing three-dimensional chess a little bit. Absolutely. And part of it is the, the external aspect of it, right, where you want applicants to make sure they're providing timely information. Um, the second part, and this is what, you know, we have to hold ourselves accountable to as a board of supervisors, you know, you know, we have to make sure our processes are fair. We have resources where needed, and I think we could do a better job of making sure our planning department has the resources they need, so they can turn some of these applications uh, around more expeditiously. Um, and again, I think that's more of a resource problem at this point, Jeff. And part of it is comes back to again this process where you have planning department or planning commission saying, "Well, we don't have clear direction. The rules are changing all the time." And let's be fair, I think that, you know, we, we have gone through this period of, of, of prolonged period of having a discussion about growth and policies. And part uh, of going through a transition, you will see sometimes a flux, right? And I think that's what we're going through right now. Again, I, I think what we're trying to do is kind of clean house, make sure the house is in order, and we're going to come out of it better and stronger. So I think that's the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, I definitely, again, I hear from the neighborhood groups, the neighbors that are concerned about development. But at the same time, you know, um, I also hear from the applicants where it's taking too long and someone's paying for that. And what I tell people, too, is, you know, not all those applications are going to you know, be approved or come to fruition. 
But what we're also delaying, too, is revenue. We're delaying jobs, economic vitality. And I necessarily don't want to stand in the way of that. So, again, from an internal side, how do you have processes and resources in play that allow applications that might be more streamlined, might not have, uh, you know, opposition to move forward expeditiously? And those that may be more problematic, that may have bigger scope, maybe it's a different track, right? Is it, a, is it more of a problem, and you've been there long enough to, to think about this, is it a problem that there seems to be opposition to everything nowadays? You know, that's a different environment, and it is. Uh, again, I think, you know, as, as a supervisor, you, you go up there and you have a neutral perspective. You listen to both sides. But as I tell people is if you are going to share concerns, you know, I want to make sure it's backed with facts. Uh, and, and right now, while, you know, emotion is an important part of the discussion, too, we have to be able to look beyond that and understand, okay, truly, what are you concerned about? Uh, who are the sources? How can we do something about it if it's merited? But at a certain point, you know, we, we have to continue to run a county efficiently and smoothly. And right now, uh, we, we've kind of been stuck in second gear because of so much of the, the challenge that we're seeing on any given Tuesday uh-huh. and also on any given Wednesday. Um, but again, that's part of the public process wherein folks feel that they have some concerns they can mobilize and they can speak. But again, when you look back at our tools, so, you know, Jeff, our general plan assumptions, we're right in line with those assumptions on uh-huh. growth. And, and those weren't done willy-nilly. You know, there's a lot of thought that goes into some of the general plan things. So, again, I think we could have done a better job of also educating our, our residents, our constituency of you have some concerns about what's going on in your backyard and it's valid. Um, but let me tell you also from a general perspective, right, the global picture, this is where we're at in terms uh-huh. of our general plan assumptions. So I, I think that was just a missed opportunity for us. I mean, the danger is that you wind up with something with ballot box planning and something like this effort for the water woodland forest initiative, which yeah. may or may not get on the ballot. But Yeah. And, and again, uh, that's people standing up for something they believe is important. But, you know, I also say, well, again, being new because I was new to the Board of Supervisors, I educated myself on erosion control plans. I educated myself on the water availability analysis. So I really took time to make sure I understood the tools that we had in the tool belt to tackle some of these concerns that people had. And when you look at that, when you do an analysis of that, you realize that you are addressing the concerns that people have. Now, if others feel we got to go above and beyond that, that's a different conversation. But in terms of you know the general populace, I think the, they, they know that government it has the tools in place to address these concerns. I mean, one of the things you hear, just, just one more thing on this, is it, I've heard it from different candidates. Some were overregulated, some were underregulated, and, and there doesn't seem to be, it seems to be really tough to find that happy medium. Yeah, and, and I guess that's what keeps me motivated to continue to do this, is trying to find that balance and that common sense perspective of, yes, we have to make sure that um, development doesn't run unbridled and uncontrolled, right? We got to make sure that we have development that works for us. Um, but at the same time, I'm sensitive to new regulation because someone will pay the price for that, right? Mm-hmm. And if we keep adding more barriers to entry, the cost of doing business, you know, the small winery, the small business owners can say, it's not for me. And I'm very concerned about the future landscape, the future agriculture community of what it's going to look like if we continue on the path of always adding new regulation. And as I said, you know, when we talked about this initiative is let's talk about the tools we have and let's talk about maybe it's how they're being implemented. That's a problem. And if it is, let's talk about how we do that. But it can't be win-lose, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. there's the middle. It's a compromise, the common sense. And I think we just we have too, many, too much of the time folks are willing to go from A to Z without understanding there's some middle. 
How does the board get back to focusing more on transportation, housing, some of these other issues you touched on earlier? Well, again, I, I think this year will be pretty indicative of, 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 of where we go, you know, depending on what happens with the initiative. But, you know, um, while it's not getting a lot of press coverage, I think the county is moving the needle on housing. You know, we've talked about the former Health and Human, human Services property mm-hmm. out on Olsenham Road. One of my priorities when I took over as chair was looking at how do we zone that? How do we start the entitlement process with the city because the property is in the city? For, for workforce housing. So we are having that conversation. We've met with the city. The, RF, uh, the RFQ process is going to be uh, underway pretty soon. So while the press is not covering it, quote unquote, uh, the county is doing things to address that. Uh, the city of Calistoga is talking about right. transportation, a very innovative model. You know, we're going to go out to Google to look at how Google moves the workforce. So um, again, I think we're still doing that. I just It would be great if it can be more embraced by the community. Right. You know, the housing and transportation. But I think, you know, this year uh, we're still going to continue, I think, talk about some of the the issues that have dominated the airwaves. But I'm very (laughs) optimistic if if I'm lucky enough to be here in 2017 that, again, we continue to talk about everything we're talking about this year. But we also identify priorities and we match resources to that. In terms of, of housing, transportation, some of those related issues. Do we need to spend more time also looking at a regional approach to those, that we can't solve these in Napa County alone? Absolutely. And again, this is, again, coming from the city council, again, this is the benefit that I feel it brings to the table is looking at these issues from a regional perspective, uh, right? And, and, you know, before you didn't have to, right? The the city of Calistoga was growing. The city of of, uh, American Canyon was growing. The city of Napa, you know, they they weren't sleepy cities, but they were going through this growth. Now you've reached a, a point where they're more mature, right? They're more successful, and the county's successful as well. Now we have to have that high-level discussion about how do we tackle housing from a regional perspective and transportation perspective. And it can be done because we have workforces, right, that employ throughout the county. You have two main transportation arteries in Highway 29 and Silverado Trail, very conducive for regionalizing transportation. Uh, that's what I'm excited about, right, and that's what I've talked to some of the mayors about. Um, they're excited about it as well. We just have to create the vehicle to having those conversations. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you about two uh, controversial projects. Yeah. We've touched on one that, that seems to go on forever. Walt Ranch is yeah. one, and Sire is the other. I mean, yeah. it seems like these have been going on <laughs> yeah, yes. since we were children. <laughs> yes, they have, and, and we knew they were going to be controversial when we came in, so you know we were ready to make those tough decisions. And with Walt, as I said, because because it is going to become before the board, uh, you know, I have to I have to speak generally about it. But again, the questions I'm going to be having, as I've shared publicly, is you know, the city of Napa has talked about some of the concerns about their Millican Reservoir. I'll be ha- I'll have questions about that, and you know, the runoff impact, the nutrient counts on the watershed. I'll have concerns, you know, questions about you know the impact on the neighborhood community in Circle Oaks about that but you know what the public doesn't know we haven't seen the application we haven't seen the project we haven't seen the proposal Um, but again it's it's agriculture in an ag county right we have to think about it from that perspective doesn't mean that we don't look at the impacts that there are some but again let's talk about those impacts and i'm ready to have that discussion with sire um we've uh had two meetings already, and we're going to have a third. And, and, <laughs> yes, and I think uh, no one can say that the Board of Supervisors is not giving anyone enough time to, to, to share their concerns because it was a priority of mine to make sure everyone felt heard. Um, and, again, I'm looking forward to being able to ask some of the questions. Uh, there are some issues about water that were brought up last time. 
Uh, there are some issues about health concerns that you know I'll be asking the applicants about their workforce, and they have to monitor all that. Um, but again, I'm also interested in making sure that we protect Skyland Park. But in, in an environment where you want the win-win, Jeff, I think you can have those discussions, right? Uh, from what I've heard, you have whether it's Watts or, or Sire, you have applicants that wanna have that win-win. Let's just give them an opportunity to have the discussion with the concerned parties. And talk a little bit about the relationship between the county and the cities. You know what? It, it, it needs. I believe it needs to improve. And, and I don't say that just because I came from city council, but as someone that lives here, uh, it, it raising a family here, uh, it's beyond the issues of housing. It's beyond the issues of transportation. It's about the future of Napa and how can we make sure that we have efficient government. I look at our corporate yards. Right, we own a lot of real estate, and there's an opportunity where we can potentially work together, consolidate some of that. Um, you, you talk about a jail, the county needing to build a jail. Yeah, there might be an opportunity to vacate the downtown jail, which benefits the city. Those are all key things that we need to work together on. But it's it's your attitude about how you collaborate with the city. Minimum wage was a great example. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can't do at the cities. You can't dictate. It's you do it with them, and you can in our Napa County. We can work together. It's not about us versus them. It's the collective we, uh, right? And we all benefit from that because whether you're a city resident or a county resident, you're going to be impacted by both government agencies. Right. I mean, do you find when you're out there walking, talking to constituents, and, you know, you, a lot of times you hear about the roads, about the things that are totally city issues yeah, that I you feel, have no control over. Yeah, I feel like I'm a, the sixth unofficial member of the council because I, I still get all the problems, right. you know. And when you're out canvassing, knocking on doors, you know, my, my general opinion from District 4, what really people are concerned about is the roads because they interact with them every day, whether they're running errands, taking their kids to school, their sidewalks. Um, as we're trying to promote getting out of your cars, if you don't have appropriate sidewalks, it really makes it hard whether you're a young family or a senior. Um, and, and, and again, it's traffic. You know, those are the key issues that you, you, you really hear. The city, you know, and I was an advocate for synchronizing our lights. That's going to dramatically improve the internal Huge. flow. Right, those are things that are going to change the lives of our residents dramatically in a positive way, right? Those are city things. But if you have good working relationships, you can facilitate and enhance some of those. The Vine Trail, another example. You having fun on the job? We are. We are. We knew we were coming in at a very unique time, right? We knew that. Um, it, being on the council was great, you know, being able to help so many people. Um, and now being on the Board of Supervisors, it's great. But it's just knowing that being a little bit younger, I recognize that. You know, I'm not interested in kicking the can down the road. I want to make some of those tough decisions. But you got to stay the course, and you got to have the vision side of it. And sometimes it's not popular; it's not attractive. Um, people are more concerned about the issue in their backyard, and I understand that. But you know, we have a responsibility here to shape the future in Napa County as well, right? And if we take you know short-sighted policy decisions, knee-jerk reactions, we'll compromise that, right? And someone will pay the price down the line. I'm not interested in doing that, right? So. Uh, we're enjoying it, and that's the one thing I've always told my family because this is not just you. You bring your family into it. Um, as long as we continue to enjoy it, we'll keep doing it. But uh, I still wake up every morning excited about the opportunities I have, uh, not so, not sometimes about the fires i got to put out, uh, but that comes with the job. Supervisor Chairman of the Board of Supervisors this year, Alfredo Pedroza, candidate for re-election in District 4. Thank you so much for coming in. No, Jeff, I thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.